Hello everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank. Uh, this will be uh, a bit of a, a bit of a fork in the road moment for sale this year. You have to feel we're just about coming up to that big long Six Nations break in the Premiership, and unfortunately, we're going to see sale off into said break off the back of a uh, interesting uh, afternoon down at Gloucester. Sale losing, of course, thirty-two points to twenty. At, uh, at King's Home. Uh, my name is Lewis and, and joining me for a bit of group therapy is uh, my co-hosts Alex and James. Alex, how, how you doing? Hey. Yeah, not great. It's like 2016 all over again, isn't it? It's uh, back to the good old days of thinking we should be further up in the league than we are rather than thinking that we're deservedly in the top four or whatever. Um, it's yeah, it it definitely feels like we need to dive into some of the archives from like five years ago and just sort of start replaying some of the stuff about not being able to attack, being 5% off, being a really good team, um, all of that kind of stuff. Because, yeah, it feels like we've slipped back into it in a very, very different style, very different, you know, upper sort of potential with this team. So I don't think we should forget that, where we were like a year ago, where we were nine months ago, um, i.e. Twickenham. So let's not, you know, catastrophize. But also, we're a fan podcast and we've lost five on the bounce. So we're going to have to catastrophize a little bit, aren't we? I was going to say catastrophizing is probably the best part of doing this podcast because it does feel like the world is coming, all falling down a little bit at the moment. James, which, uh, which side of the fence are you on at the moment? Oh, I'm just slipping very comfortably back into this 2016-2017 uh, business. In fact, we could have maybe got our Monday mornings back and just used AI just to go back into the archive and just generate this podcast. That's what I think we should do. That's the future, isn't it? Um, but I think your fork in the road analogy is absolutely right. Because if we'd won with a bonus point, which I think people are kind of taking for granted against Gloucester, because Gloucester have been so poor this year, you know, we would have been in second position based on the number of wins. Um, and it all sort of been very, very tight between sort of second and, and and eighth. But we would have been able, we would have had a very different podcast because it would have been like, okay, we've played poorly, but we're basically still in a home semi-final position here. Whereas actually we took the path that we've been taking for the previous six, seven games, eight games maybe. Um, and that was just playing really poorly and 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 really, you know, getting a bit of what we deserve, I think, in just in just sort of the... The, the way we've been playing this year and we, we we lost and you know I think as you now say if you're a betting man a home semi-final is now you know definitely feels out of the equation and um, it even feels with Bristol's win that you know kind of um, well sorry Gloucester beating us there's an outside chance that we could not even qualify for the Champions Cup which in the League of Tennis is going some um, to be honest so so I think it's a bit of a reset moment. We've taken the wrong road and uh, we've obviously had to bandage up a lot of people and we hit some more injuries, which might be the worst thing out of everything in this game. And and we we need to sort of, you know, sort of pivot back, I think, go back to go back to basics, go back to the drawing board, I think is the phrase, isn't it, really? I mean, yeah, let's let's start there. So... Just to kind of set the scene, as we go into this long, long break now, we basically don't have a Premiership game for best part of two months. Sales sit seventh in the table, 32 points, seven wins, five losses. You know, it's a respectable 
uh, it's a respectable um, first half or first three fifths achievement when you we take everything in a vacuum. But I think you're so correct, there, James, when you look at the fact that actually, if we we got nothing out of the game against Costa, if we'd got uh, if if we'd won, we would have been fourth. If we'd won with a bonus point, we would have been second. And how is it's all very sliding doors? It's all very this this might have been the season right there. Because uh, now not only are you, uh, what are we looking at? Four points off the the playoff spot, which in in it of itself isn't isn't impossible to to achieve. Um, you've still got a leapfrog Leicester, Exeter, and Saracens to get there. In a ten team league, if you're trying to um, hedge your bets on getting into the playoffs based on three other teams directly above you dropping points or losing, it's going to be really difficult to do that. Uh, and so we're, we're unfortunately going to have to take a bit of a pessimistic tone, I think, during this podcast, which is um, the, the season feels like it's unravelling. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. It, it's probably gotten worse. And I guess, Alex, to kick things off, you look at this Gloucester game, we, we lose 32 points to 20. Gloucester um, actually pick up a try bonus point. We get absolutely nothing out of the game. You know, what? what's going wrong for, for sale at the moment? Like, what, what's causing this skid? Is it injuries? Is it form? Is it decision-making? You know, where, where do we start? I mean, maybe that's the best question. Yeah, that is the summary, isn't it? There's there's a lot of things going wrong and not a lot going right. I think, you know, you look at the table and we have got the same amount of wins and losses as pretty much every other team other than Northampton. Um, so our form isn't, you know, our recent form is awful, but we've got two Champions Cup losses in there, which I think we all expected to lose. Um really both of those games, given given who we were playing and where we were playing them. So you then kind of look at just solely the Premiership. And as I say, we're, we're on a kind of level with other teams. The reason we're so far down is because of bonus points. And I think what's happened this season, and we've seen more and more, is last season we were very good defensively. We were slightly limited in our attack, but we were scoring enough. But we weren't quite getting the try bonus points every time we wanted one. And I think you've seen this season, we're really trying to get those try bonus points. I'm really trying to expand our play style a little bit. And if you, I made a comment the other week, um, and I don't have the latest figures, but I'll try and get them before the end of the pod. But we've played 12 Premiership games now. I reckon we've kicked about 10 penalties in those games. We are not kicking for goal. We are going for the corner. We are trying to score tries. And that is a real focus. And it was a focus at the start of the season. It was talked about at that point. So I think you've seen us try and move towards that style of play where we we want to get four tries and get a try bonus point. Unfortunately, we're massively failing in that. And 12 games in, it's kind of been proven that we're not very good at scoring try bonus points. But also, as a result, I think you've seen a detriment to the rest of our game in that we don't control the game as well anymore. And our defence has started to go slightly awry as well. And I think it's all... I suspect that there's a bit of an element of this that is all interlinked with we are trying to transition this team from what it was last season in that it was a very solid defensive team with that could score tries and attack. But ultimately, both in Europe and in the Premiership, we came up against opponents who were very good defensively, but also very good in attack. And I think you saw in that Premiership final how fluent Saracens were in attack compared to us, um, that they were able to kind of carve us open. 
And you've seen in the Premiership this season with teams like Northampton at the top that that attacking style is the the kind of what's getting you up there. Look at Bath as well, with obviously Finn Russell and, and Ben Spencer at nine and ten coming in. Um, I think it's it is probably a necessary shift for us to get into that attacking mindset, but because we're trying to trying so hard to change our play style to get to that, we seem to be really really struggling to kind of build any any form because every time we're doing it, you know we're we're failing in that attack. You know, down the pre offload for the first try, for example, and then our defense is being made to pay as well. And I don't think that's being helped by the injuries. Because, you know, we can't get George Ford rolling out every week at 10 because of injuries or international. We can't get a consistent 12 selection because of injuries or international. And that is just contributing to a level of instability in the team. And then 13's being chopped and changed as a result. So either it's Rob Dupree or it's Sam James or it's someone else. So it feels to me like it's all interlinked. I don't think that everything is going wrong separately. It feels like... Yes, everything is going wrong, but it all kind of seems to make sense to me in that we're trying to change our play style. Ultimately, we're failing. It's being exacerbated by injuries, and all of that is contributing to some really, really subpar performances. And the frustration from fans is coming from the fact that we know that we could be good enough. And if we just played like last season, we'd be top of the league at the moment because you know we're seven wins from 12. We're seven and five. Every other team is seven from five. So you win a couple of games, we're top of the league, and this is a completely different conversation, isn't it? Um, so, you know, it comes. there's also the fact that teams come down to a 10-team league. So I am sort of, you know, I do think there's like a holistic view here that is everything's going a little bit wrong and the fixes are probably a lot of them, but minor, and we will kind of be able to get back to to success but it just feels like a real you talk about forking the road in the season I think it's a fork in the road for this team of we're really trying to drag ourselves to a different style of play and it's just really not working at the moment and that's where the frustration is coming from isn't it you can see our, our attack's been so poor but it's because we're trying to do different things and we haven't got that stability in the back line or indeed in any selection really to create that consistent performance so that's what it feels like for me and I completely get the frustration of everyone watching it because you know people are paying a lot of money to go and watch the game to go down to Gloucester taking a lot of time out you know going and watching sale isn't an easy thing to do at the moment with where the stadium is and and everything like that so the club are putting in a lot of effort to make that a good experience but it's still a big chunk of your weekend in your day and it does ruin people's weekend doesn't it and I think we've seen some people on Twitter say that you know um, so there's understandably then a lot of frustration which I completely get and I think it'll be quite nice to have this seven weeks off for us all to kind of calm down and come back a bit refreshed in March um, both the players but as fans as well because don't forget we've kind of been going on that emotional journey for however 20 weeks in a row or whatever haven't we yeah, and and you get the sense as well, and James, I don't know if you agree with this, but this this feels like this general sort of decline is starting to permeate into individual form. You look at you look at the game on Sunday, um, and just from a very quick glance, you see a, you know a terrible decision from Dan Dupree to throw an offload that that wasn't on to no one. You see a really poor decision from Sam Dugdale to kick the ball away 
uh, which which leads to a yellow card and a, and a penalty anyway. You see Joe Carpenter just run straight into to a man in the air. It really feels like we're starting to see a, a bit of a slow burn. Uh, well, we've had there's been a bit of a slow burn uh, in terms of the general sort of downward trend of form across the squad that we're now starting to see in individual performances, which I think you know in 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 with all context considered, it made a massive massive difference on on Sunday's game and was a big reason why we were never able to get even close to getting anything out of it. I think that's absolutely right. I think, you know, look, we've lost seven out of nine and that takes its toll on rocking up on a Monday morning, watching the videos, watching the mistakes, watching more people get injured. The attrition in the squad this year has been very high um, and we've, we've basically not just lost momentum, but I think we're mentally and physically a bit broken and a bit fatigued and we've seen that and it's just been difficult. I think we've been patching people up and sending them out. I mean, Nick, Nick Shonnet was, was virtually couldn't see any of his leg. Like it was, you know, his, every joint was sort of wrapped up. <clears throat> so we're definitely physically fatigued and I think that's come through into mental fatigue and just that loss, those losing, you know, those losing games. And we know, and we talk about it on this pod so much, usually in relation to the start of the season, where momentum is really important. And I think that, you know, we, we had some momentum with Rob Dupree at fly half at the beginning of the year and, we you know, we, we did start to look a little bit more fluent. But then, to be honest, that went quite quickly. And and one thing I disagree with what, you know, Alex is saying here is, you know, when he says it's like a number of little things, it probably is a professional rugby. We've won, um, you know, seven and, and, and lost five, so we're in the same. But I tell you where we're the outlier. We're the outlier in points difference, right? We've got a minus points difference. So we should be sitting eighth in the table based on that. And we're quite a long way short, I think, on um, on uh, tries as well, like compared to everyone else who has won seven games. So the, the, there is a very significant elephant in the room here, which is we don't score enough points, right? Which we never have, but we're letting in more than maybe we used to. Um, you know, we, we've gone from being the best defence in the league to like an okay team but in, in defence, but I'd say the, the Gloucester game and the Northampton game, so where that's just unravelled, you know, missing one-on-one tackles, that is not sale. And even being in a position where one-on-one tackles are the important element of the defence, the important element of the defence is that we literally smother teams to death. And we never did that at any stage against Gloucester. No stage where we were in dominant defensive mode. Um, and I think that's partly a mental break. And maybe this is a segue into the game itself, Lewis. But like from my perspective, you know, that, that Don du- Dan Dupree offload and other mistakes we've made, uh, you know, I think, you know, thought Carpenter was out of position again a couple of times, um, which is becoming a, a bit of a feature. And so, you know, you, you're seeing sort of these sort of brain fades. And, and it, I think it's because, you know, we made one or two mistakes and it led to tries. Very unfortunate. I thought we were the best team for the first 20 minutes. You know, we should definitely have been two scores clear after the first 20, 25 minutes. And instead, it was the complete opposite. And then we conceded again before half-time. And I thought, I, I knew then. For this team, where we're at mentally and with the fact that we've already lost, you know, uh, Kobe's visa off the park, I was like, there is going to be no way back for this team. When you look at how Bath came back against Bristol, okay, they... They still ended up losing, but guess what? Still went away with a try bonus point. Could have walked away with two bonus points there. You look at the way the Saints have come back about a million times this year. 
you know, from sometimes like 15, 20 points back. There is no chance of this sale team ever being able to do that. So if you give away a couple of tries for free, you will lose the game. And I, and I, and I just think not having that extra gear is holding this team back permanently. Um, and it shows most in the Champions Cup, right? Where our natural play can be neutralised. And then we have these valiant losses where we just miss out on a losing bonus point. But that's that's plan A, operating at a high level, coming up short. What we have in, 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 in Premiership is a lot of the time in the last two or three years, plan A has been enough. And then, you know, at the moment, we don't have that plan B. And if you're not scoring the points, and the points difference says everything, and if you're not scoring enough tries you're not going to be able to deal with these kind of human errors that happen with fatigued individuals. And so it's almost like you can't release them. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I, there's been a lot of talk about the mental strength of this squad. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing it under pressure at the moment. Mm. And, you know, you can kind of, you've got two ways of yourself, and, you know, one is like, well, let's rally round. The lads need a bit of support, arm around them. It's a tough time. These things happen in professional sport, lots of knocks. And 50% of me is that. Because I'm a self fan, I care about the club and I care about the people there. And the other 50% is, well, hang on a minute. Some of this mental fatigue is because we have pretty rigid game plan. And when the time goes bad, like you can't, they're not expressing themselves on the park. Because the only button they have to press is go munch somebody in a tackle. Which, when you're not 100% of the races, is quite a difficult thing to get yourself up for. Well, I think that also starts to throw into consideration about how dependent we are on a set number of individuals to to make that structure work and and this is not just on the playing field but also from a coaching perspective you know, there, there, there probably needs to be questions asked about the decision to replace Mike Borshaw or Jamie Langley you know we have seen a, a significant drop-off in that regard uh, from a defensive perspective there's still questions you know nine years on uh, around Paul Deacon and kind of how much juice he's able to, to squeeze out of the team. We've never really been a free-flowing uh, side, but we've never really needed to. And I think what we're, I think with the, the benefit of, a, of, of being a year on from Forshaw leaving the club, we're, we're kind of seeing um, what, what drove the apple cart there a little bit and, and kind of what allowed us to, you know, to, to be so successful in the last couple of years. And you also see, and I guess this is maybe the elephant in the room, um, just how stark the drop off is from from our sort of top end internationals. Who, let's face it, we have been without for a significant chunk of the season this year. You know, versus the rest of the guys in the squad. You know, we've probably been ironically uh, hit as one of the worst. We've probably been one of the worst hit teams for injuries this year. You know, we've not had Tom Curry all season. Ben Curry's not been available. John Luke Dupree has missed you know his first significant amount of time since joining the club. Dan Dupree is missed games. George Ford is in and out of the squad, and I want to come back to that in a minute. Um, but it just shows that if we don't have, you know, two wrecking balls in Dupree, um, if we don't have a Johnny Hill, if we don't have the Curry smashing everything, our game plan starts to to fade away. Now, we've brought in the likes of George Ford, and we're developing, you know, your Joe Carpenters, etc., to, to, to kind of mitigate that. But we then can't get George Ford on the field. We play him in a bit of a dead rubber game against La Rochelle and then he's not available again for this. And I guess I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Alex, because, you know, we talk about where's the team falling down and individual, you know, performances, you know, this clearly hasn't been a vintage season for Rob Dupree at 10. 
I want to get your thoughts on on George Ford and and the decision by the staff to play him for the home game against La Rochelle, but then um, he, as a result, he doesn't seem to be available for this game, which is arguably a bit more important in, in sales season. You know, where, where do you st- where do you stand on that at the moment? Yeah, I think it's it's tough to know without knowing the injury situation. I think is part of it because I think especially with George Ford, he will have been in the England conversation. So I suspect he's either England or injured and it's kind of taken out of our hands. And similarly with Ben Curry, England or injured, I think England in that case. I don't, genuinely don't know with George, but um, he has had niggles and stuff over this season. So I I do come back to a point you both sort of made in that we have been absolutely hammered by injuries this season. And it's not an excuse but in a 10-team league where all the talent has been concentrated from 13-14 really good teams, if you get the amount of injuries we've had, and let's be frank, we were very lucky with injuries last season and we've been very unlucky this season. Um, if you get that amount of injuries, you aren't going to compete anyway. It's not like the old 12-team, 13-team league when you know, you could roll the kids out for a couple of games and you might pick up a win against Newcastle and, and you know, a Bristol team. This isn't like that anymore. This is 10 teams with loads of talent in. So luck is a much bigger factor when it comes to injuries than it ever was. And I don't think we should forget that because I think that is really something no one can manage because you cannot manage, you know, balancing. Bear in mind, we lost all our internationals at the start of the season for the World Cup. So they were all out of action, Tuilangi, Ford, Tom Curry. And then we've lost we've lost them all again now for that Gloucester game is an absolute crucial game for our season. So what's really interesting is we're effectively being punished for having England internationals. Because if we had Mason Grady, as we talked about on rumours the other week, um, we would have been able to play him because all the Welsh lads are, you know, Daphne Jenkins was playing for Exeter. You know, there's nothing stopping clubs in England selecting uh, overseas international players. So that's a really big factor as well. And I think, you know, we can kind of, we don't want to make too much of a reason of it that, you know, it's just injuries and that's it. But I don't think we should downplay how massive that has been because not having done the pre-roll season is going to be a huge loss to any team. As you say, not having Jean-Luc Dupri, uh, that's two people you could conceivably play at eight. Like With the salary cap the way it is, it's pretty hard to then say, oh, let's carry another first premiership first-team quality eight in the salary cap. Like That is really difficult to do. So I don't think we should be too sort of critical of all the selection issues, because we are genuinely just trying to limp to the end of this block of fixtures. And everyone's struggling with it. And the people who've done really well, Northampton, haven't really had any significant injuries. You know, the the biggest thing, the really interesting thing for Northampton, if you look at their sort of squad now, is how many of them have been called up to England. And they managed to get a win this weekend, which is massive for them. But are they going to be able to do it when Dingwall and Freeman... And, you know, everyone else from this, Finn Smith and Alex Mitchell, have probably just had a horrendous Six Nations with England and they come back to Northampton. 
And and I think we're kind of six months ahead of them in that, in that Ford, Tirilangi, Tom Curry didn't have a great World Cup with England. You know, Ford was messed about a lot in terms of selection. Tirilangi obviously injured, came back from the World Cup injured with a broken hand or whatever it was, having played in the third place playoff. And Tom Curry won't play for the rest of the season. Um so we've kind of had that impact. And ultimately, who did Northampton lose from the World Cup? You know, Laws, who is now retired from internationals and not in the England conversation, and Mitchell, who, you know, has managed to come through it. So anyway, that's a, I think that's a really big factor. And I think it's impacted us way more than we think. And it's chopped and changed us and it's contributed to everything else. But, I, you know, I don't think it's unfair to ask questions of the coaches at this point. Because... We still should be able to compete. I just think you have to contextualize it with, you know, there's um, there's a lot of things that are impacting what they're doing. And if you look at someone like, you know, I think Paul Deacon is a different question because he's been here for so long. But Jamie Langley's had a year and he's had the most disrupted sale team you've ever seen in the most competitive league we've ever played in. And so obviously we're going to concede more points because everyone's better. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, it's just really hard to judge, I think. It's really hard to compare where we were last season to where we were this season because so much has changed. And last season, we were so lucky with injuries. And also the squad makeup. Like We've talked about losing Kern Hustays and losing Acker. You know, we're, we're in a very sort of different place in some key positions that make it really difficult. I Yeah, go on, James. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm rambling. No, no, I, th- I think you're, you're speaking very well. And <clears throat> I think what we've got on this podcast, that I hope the listeners agree, is kind of the full, full spectrum of Sail Sharks fan emotions. You literally, you know, this is what it's like to really care about a club and support them every week, isn't it? You, you know, some part of your brain's going, they're crap, sack the coaches, uh, Sanderson out. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got, well, actually, let's look at the facts. The facts are... Halfway through last season, we lost our most important coach, arguably. Um, you know, this season, we've not just without the Dupreas, there's the, the George Ford's been injured for a lot of it. Tio Lange's been injured for a lot of it. It goes on and, you know, Bevan Rod has been injured for a lot of it. Simon McIntyre's been injured for a lot of it. Ross Harrison's now knackered. Um, you know, Cobes Vita looks like he's out for a period. So, where we might have had luck in previous seasons, there's definitely not been any going on this season. I think from a coaching perspective, that is very disruptive. So I'm really pleased that you've mentioned all of those things. And, you know, if we if we talk about things going against us, I just want to mention from the Gloucester game itself that, that you know, the, the Dan Dupree offload that went to Ollie Thorley and, and ran in, <clears throat> I thought there, was, there wasn't enough advantage from the knock-on in the tackle from Gloucester. There, was, there, might, there, there might have been, you know... A, um, an extra phase there, and often they do call it in that period. But there was no, there was no forward momentum from the team, which I think is the more important thing. Um, especially, you know, because that, I think that that kind of knowledge, or oh, we've got the advantage from the knock on, led to the kind of you know offload that yeah, I don't think we would have necessarily seen that otherwise. And before that, I thought there was an even bigger mistake, which was for the Cobus Visa thing, which obviously was a cock up from his perspective, should have scored anyway. Um, all he had to do was run at the full at the um, at the winger and just literally just palm him aside and just go over 
Um, it would have been absolutely easier to do that rather than try and sidestep. And Kevin Speech does have a bit of a track record for uh, having shockers right on top of the try line and then going out um, injured and missing the rest of the season, doesn't he? Um, which is sadly looks like might be the last we see ever of, of Kovis Visa. But I thought the key factor there was it should have been a penalty try because Thorley, who was the person who affected that try-saving tackle, who actually made it, was never back on side. He was never, he was by a, a yard and a half, maybe even two yards. So even though the ball went outside of him and then Kovis Visa came back towards him, I don't care. He was never back on side. He tackled him over the line, held him up, penalty try. Should have been a penalty try. And, and what really, really annoys me is that with the fragile state of this squad, physically and mentally now, when you're seeing people go up injured, maybe from, you're probably on their ACL, so you're never going to see them again. Um, and when you suddenly two tries you know, down or whatever, quite quickly from mistakes, your heads will go down. You don't have that inner belief to get you through. And I thought that that was taken away from us. I thought we were the better side for the first 25 minutes. And I thought if we'd got ahead by 14, Gloucester have had exactly the same problem. They've had a shocking year, absolutely shocking year. They've lost Hastings for the season, etc. again. I think we could have gone cantered away and actually won that, won that game quite simply. Um, as it happened, we were always on the back foot. And in the second half, I thought we were definitely the second best team and actually could have lost by more in the end. I think as well, like even if even if those things you know do go against us or go uh, sorry go in our favour, I, I think that the really disheartening thing is look sometimes you will have stuff go against you like that, and it's about being able to pick yourself up and show a bit of resilience when you start to look at. Well, in fact, I, I heard Alex's uh, reaction to the ruin Ackerman try uh, when he watched it uh, a moment before we started recording. He just goes, "Oh, and, the, and Ackerman's just gone straight through the line." You know, the 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 one out defending, you know, on that try was was absolutely abysmal. We see it a little bit later. Set move again for um, I think it's for Atkinson's try. It just looks so easy, um, and it's 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 those sort of it's those massive mental blocks and breakdowns that we're seeing a little bit too regularly at the moment, which 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 means like we're, we're making it so difficult for ourselves to get anything out of the games. Uh, even if we you know we were up ahead, if you're going to be making mistakes like that, then you know, there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to hold on on to you know, to, to win any, anything in in a meaningful manner. I think as well, you know, the Rob Dupree, uh, sorry, not Rob Dupree, the Dan Dupree offer at least to Ollie Thorley. You know, we can we can argue about that all uh, all we want, but I think it's I think it might be Rob Dupree who has the chance to to make the tackle on him, and the Thorley, you know, walk, walks around him like he's not even there. And it's just these these one outs, these these individual errors, you know, that we're just seeing time and time again. That it really means that this this break, this seven week break or, or whatever it is, could could not have come at a better time for sale. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but you you think about if we play that game with George Ford and the Curry twins and the Dupree twins and Manu Tuilangi at twelve, how different is a uh, how how different a game does it you know does it does it look like you know do some of those losses that we've had over the last couple of weeks turn into wins? Obviously we we we, you know, we wouldn't know, but um, it does feel like this break has come at the right time, and it is just a shame that we've probably got one or two weeks a little uh, one or two weeks too long here, and we've now we're now behind the eight ball. We're now looking up at a lot of teams above us, uh, and it does feel like we've got a um, we've got a bit of a mountain to climb, but. I guess the, the the final thing on the Gloucester game before we do probably a little sort of mid-season wrap-up or uh, as it were um, is 
when you have injuries, it, it does give you the opportunity to look at the wider squad and, and look at who's ready to, to make a step up and, um, you know, who could potentially, you know, be a big part of the future. And if nothing else, this season, I think, has really started to show, you know, who our really key players are, who are who are our unmissable players and who maybe isn't quite there. And uh, I, I guess, James, from your perspective, you know, where, where, where do you stand on this? Um, you know, at the moment, like, is, is is this run sort of taught you anything about the squad that we didn't know? Um, you know, has it taught you anything about some of these players? Because you start to go down that list, maybe Johnny Hill leaves, maybe Cobra's visa leaves, and, you, you, you know, not to be too pointed, but how confident are we about, you know, Ben Bamber and Josh Beaumont and Ruben Birch being our lock options going into next season? Well... I'll tell you what we have found out is what every team in the Premiership knew, which is if you have three or four injuries, especially in the same position, you're you, you, you fucked <laughs> uh, because of the way that the salary cap is now. And so you have to trust these younger guys coming through. So we don't have a choice is the answer. Um, I think I'd be pointing the finger at the likes of Visa and Johnny Hill who haven't been as good this year as they were last year. Simple as that. These are senior players. I wonder if Johnny Hill's mind's already in Poe or wherever it is that he's supposed to be going to. Um, you know, Sam James was absolutely brilliant on the run up to Christmas. We couldn't understand why he wasn't playing every game. And then this year, so far, this in twenty twenty four, I think he's been poor, honestly. Um, so I, I wonder how much we don't know how much is going on behind the scenes as well. Like, you know, there's some player turnover here. Some people have got their eyes on maybe next season as well. So I mean, that sounds super critical. I hope it is. Hope some some players hear that that are on the move and go. Actually, no, I really care about this club. I want to finish really strong. I'm just a bit knackered. So I think we found out what we already knew, which is that there isn't a huge amount of depth. That that means that we, you know, we trust these young players to come through. I think Ben Bamba's definitely got raw potential, no question. I think he's held up in the in the first team in the Champions Cup really, really well. I think Ruben Birch has had a couple of excellent performances at, at number eight. Um, and actually, I think there's a question for, you know in this period where things aren't going too well, look at Exeter. You throw a load of youngsters together, come through the academy together, and they can find a way to kind of fight for that shirt, get an extra 10% out of themselves, rather than bandaging up our first-choice players because we're not feeling confident on the edges of the squad and putting them out there. You know, I'd be saying, OK, Rob Dupree is not in great form. Shouldn't we just be throwing the keys to Tom Curtis at this point? Like, at what point do you say, actually, you know what, someone who's fresh hasn't played enough rugby, um, who wants to go out there and prove themselves, is better than somebody who's been there, done it, who's fatigued mentally and physically and isn't in great form. Um, we know that Rob Dupree is a better player than Tom Curtis, um, certainly at this stage in their career and possibly forever, I mean, who knows. But I, I'm just throwing that out. I'm not saying that we should definitely be dropping Rob Dupree. You know, I don't think he's had a terrible season at all. But you know, I, I, it's, it's a tough thing when you're a coach, this. And there, there is an element, I think we've been eyeing up this break, getting to it. And, you know, this is where the Champions Cup, is. that's why it's so similar to previous years when we've qualified for the Champions Cup almost as like, you know, in those diamond years when we had like the lowest budget in the whole premiership and we finished sixth and you know the next year we're going to be battling to stay up. It's got a bit of that feel to it, isn't it, where we actually had lost a bit of form and a bit of momentum and lost a couple of people to injury just before both Champions Cups rounds. Sorry, yeah, uh, and 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 then you go into the Champions Cup, uh, and you think to yourself, "That's just ripped the heart out of us because we've given everything we've got 
and we've come up short. And that's a really tough place to be. Um, and then you come out of it so broken, you can't keep your eyes on the prize. So I think there's a, the, the, there's maybe a lesson for the, if I was going to say for the selectors here in the, you know, looking at the attrition in the squad, the, the, the fatigue mentally. Sanderson said openly a couple of times that they're not looking to uh, uh, rotate the squad. He's actually said that's been a, you know, a, a decision that they've made this season that they're just going to, you know, get through to this big long break. I think it's in hindsight that that's a mistake. We weren't saying that's the wrong decision. We were saying we'd like to see more rotation, but we, we, we didn't know that people would just literally run out of steam this far in advance of it. Like this is this is just unfortunate that we've had so many injuries, um, and that they've all come to big players, important players, England call-ups to important players, all at the wrong sort of times. And you know, but you look at Exeter; they've basically done a relaunch of their squad. Okay, they're down with us. But I think a lot of people would have had them down towards the bottom of the league this year, considering the people that they've left. So they've lost, but they've kept with their principles, which is heavy, consistent rotation. Um, and, um, you know, they could sneak into the top four this year, definitely. You never know. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 now we're in a break. We need to bandage these people up, give them some, yeah, send them away for a bit. It's not a be-all and end-all. If we come back and get on a run and we take momentum into the playoffs, we can still win the Premiership. Um, but if we lose those first one or two games back after the break, then you know I'd, I'd be surprised if we if we ended up in the top half of the table. To be honest, we'd probably be more looking at eighth or ninth. It does, uh, first of all, I just want to say for the record, I was one of the people who thought Exeter were going to finish basically at the bottom of the table this year, and they they've definitely surprised me. And Alex, maybe this is a really good time as we we start to kind of wrap this one up. Um, just so everyone's kind of on the same page, um, there's been a lot of rumours about potential outgoings uh, around sale over the last couple of weeks. And by the time that we reconvene the pod in the next couple of weeks, uh, and indeed when we get back onto on-field action in, in seven weeks' time, the squad composition for next year might look a little bit different. Um, I'll, I'll just reel off some of the names that have been linked with moves away. Sam James has been linked with the move away to, to France. Johnny Hill, as uh, as uh, James mentioned earlier, has been linked to, I think it's Leon uh, came up. Potentially Luke Cowan-Dickey as well, also linked with with Leon. Cobus Visa is being linked with a return back to South Africa. Um Manu Tuolangi has been linked with a potential move to, to France and, of course, Japan, because that one comes around quite quite frequently um i think that's it for now um but obviously you know you're talking about four or five of our most key and, and, and influential players there um I, I i guess maybe i guess maybe my question here for you is you know what what, what is the outlook for sale going to next next year if um you know if we if we can't get back on track towards the end of this uh, this, this period and we also start to see uh, you know some of those those announcements uh, coming forward. Do you think that's going to have a negative impact on on, on the likelihood of us being able to get back into a a genuine battle for a top four place? Yeah, I think there's no doubt going to be an impact. Um, I mean, listen, these are a these are professional guys, but also b these aren't big club stalwarts who are you know. I mean, Cobus Beast has probably been there the longest out of all those names, I suspect. You know, Johnny Hill was a really big signing and really important and has been good in patches. But, you know, we signed him as an England international and he isn't one anymore, um, being like really brutal, which is um, probably a bit harsh. But you look at 
the likes of Manu, I think we've expected to lose him every year for the last two or three years. Um, Luke Cowan Dickey, we didn't even know was going to come to us this time last season. So there's a lot of sort of players slightly in transit, and it's kind of the nature of how the league ended last season with loss uh, with um, Ross and Worcester having gone under, and then Irish going under following that. Um, was picking up Krebby, for example, I don't think would have been in anyone's mind either at that point. Um, so there's definitely a lot of it's we're still in the same kind of flux as when we signed those players. I think. They're big players and, and it'll be a massive shame to lose them. It'll probably just highlight the actual underlying kind of issue, which was losing the likes of Acker and Kernustazen. Um And we've kind of papered over those cracks a bit, haven't we? Um, and, you know, someone like Luke Diaga, who we, you know, sort of replaced with Johnny Hill. And then, you know, we haven't never really kind of, I think we were signing Johnny Hill anyway, probably. So there's a bit of, it's quite tough to know. We didn't have a settled squad, is what I'm trying to say. And we now still don't have a settled squad. And I think there's going to be a lot of movement anyway. There's still a lot of talent around because there's more players than there are there is room in people's salary caps. So there's still a chance to kind of rebalance that squad a bit. I think that there are certain players who we will probably lose and we will miss but there are also players who I think we will lose and actually there's an opportunity there to do an extra in effect so someone like Manu has been an amazing kind of player for the team to have around he's been a brilliant influence at the club and I think we've all loved having him but you're paying someone a lot of money to not play very much similarly ish with Johnny Hill um you know, you look at other players, I mean, like Don Dupree, I know Don Dupree is not in this conversation, but these are players on big money who aren't playing very often. And that's where Exeter are sort of thriving this season. It's probably a chance for us to reset that because we're, you know, we're going to have people who are getting called up to England and international duty. But there's a chance for us to kind of have that season where we're clamouring for them to be called up to England, but they actually aren't getting called up. And that's kind of what we had last season. That's why we did so well. And that's why Exeter have got this season. That's why they did doing so well. As much as we kind of make this noise about how this break is really good for not you know, losing your internationals, it's not actually worked this season at all because everyone's lost their internationals for the World Cup. It's been an absolute you know, intense sort of 20-week period. And then by the time everyone's kind of finally got their internationals back and folded them into the squad, going to go away this week to train for Six Nations camps. So you're always better if you haven't got international players. And that's probably what we need to do. We need to sign really good players who either aren't internationals yet or won't get picked. And listen, that's what we did with George Ford. And then he got back into the England settled. So, you know, it's always a risk. But I think that's where we have to try and rebalance it a bit, isn't it? Yes, and just to add one more name to this list whilst we're on this topic, and we're also talking about internationals, where if you had to, if you had to put a percentage on it right now, uh, chances of Aaron Reid still being at uh, at sale next season, giving his call up to the to the Scotland uh, national team for this year's Six Nations. We 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 saw what happened with you and Ashman a couple of years ago about how quickly things can change in in that regard. So if you had to put a number on it, what what are you saying, Alex? 60% staying, I think. I, I think Reedy loves the club. 
I, I think you've seen with I I think actually you and Ashman is quite a good example of well he's gone to Edinburgh and he's still not really in the Scotland conversation. You know, he's he's no further on than when he was playing for Sale. So no. it's probably quite a good warning for him. And I think that might tick it over back to us staying here. You and Ashman's maybe on the bench for Edinburgh. Yeah. He's a succession planning signing for Edinburgh, which isn't really the fanfare that he kind of probably went with in his head. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think, you know, listen, obviously, Reedy is Scottish, but he's a Manchester lad, so that's a bit different. You and Ashman were born in Canada and, you know, like a bit all over the place. Um, so maybe there's something in that as well. So I'm, I'm more confident about that than I ever was about you and Ashman. I think it's safe to say. Well, that probably brings us to the end of the, the the pod for this week. Obviously, a bit of a sour note to, to end what's been basically a run of 20-odd weeks of, of, of rugby. Obviously, we've, we've had to be a bit pessimistic on, on, on this week's pod, but you know the hope is you know a, a really good long rest period. The return of some of those players that we've mentioned should hopefully make a big dim, impact and we can treat that final run of the season as a real sprint to try and get back into the into playoff contention. That is, of course, the hope. Um, I guess before we do the Northwest Rugby Roundup, though, James, is there anything else from from your side uh, before we, you know, before well, the sales season takes a, a pretty pretty significant break? Yeah, just just one thing really is you know if you're going to play a back three of the way we did, certainly with Viano and Reed on the wings, you know, I thought we were really exposed in those areas. I thought both Viano and Reed had poor games, uh, both in the attack and defence. I'm not saying that they were in it all of the time, but we know that a big part of our game is kick chase. You know, if you're kicking from a third of the way into the opposition half and you're kicking it into the 22, which Gus Ward did at least a couple of times, you either need to be you need to be winning that ball back, really. You know, it's um, and I think that's a difficult game to play when you're playing the wingers that we that we have there. So, you know, I'll be looking for maybe a return for to, for, for Luke James in the, in the, after the break, who we haven't seen for a while, um, and it shows just how brilliant Tom Roebuck has been. So, if we want to leave with a positive. I think his absence, I think, even more showed what a test match animal that lad is. And I really, really hope that starting next weekend, we start seeing Tom Roebuck in an England shirt. I mean, that's a, that's a really nice place to leave the, the, the sale discourse. So, Alex, take take us home with the uh, Northwest Rugby Roundup. Thanks, mate. Yeah, so obviously last week um, we had... No pod after La Rochelle, but also it was an absolute horror week for Northwest Rugby. Of the five teams that managed to play, all of them lost. So um, I'll brush over these, but Lynn lost away at Tyndale, Fylde lost at home to Wharfdale, Coldy lost at home to Hartbury, and Sail Sharks obviously lost, and Sail Sharks women lost at home to Leicester by three points um, in a game that probably could have won. So that was quite frustrating. Three postponements, um, which I'll come on to later. Uh, as well um, this week obviously Sharks have lost Sail Sharks women lost as well at home to Exeter um, and Coldy lost away at Cambridge but Sail FC won a game which um, it's been a while since I've been able to say that away at Blackheath so the uh, not getting relegated dream is still on Sedgley Park a very entertaining draw at home to Roslyn Park 24 all and Sail Academy lad Charlie Wardle was playing 15 in that game and I think got a man of the match. So, uh, well done, Charlie. Hopefully, there's there's yeah. our answer to our 10 issues. Yeah. Apart from the fact he's playing fullback. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. his feet is at fullback, by the way. His, his running game is exceptional. 
He can play both, can't he? We uh, we need someone who can do both. To be fair, um, yeah. To be fair, yeah. Do, doesn't Tom Curtis play ten, twelve, and fifteen, and we still can't get him on the pitch? Yeah, that's good point. Well <laughs> um, uh, Joe won't like this one because Lim lost at home by fifty points to twenty-eight uh, to Files, who obviously are also in this roundup. So congratulations and commiserations to both. Uh, Preston Grasshoppers actually won a home game, but I'm pretty sure the first time this season. Uh, 44-35 at home to Hull Ionians so well done lads they've lost basically every home game by about two points so uh, very good result um, Sale FC 18-61 women won away at Bishop Auckland ladies uh, 27-19 so they've got a massive game next week at home to Cheltenham Tigers who are second in that league um, I think the winner will basically win that league looking at the way it's sort of set up so uh, if you can get down to that one obviously do and uh, Caldeer at home to Coventry next week um, so if you're over that way then do get down to that because it's a big game for them and Sale FC may be at home to um, Cinderford um, I don't think it's been fully announced yet because it was a postponement from the week before last um, so that might be on as well on Saturday afternoon but a good chance to get down to some local rugby while the Six Nations is on Just a very quick one with my bias for Lim um, that's a really good example of where bonus points can be gained for you going into the season obviously Lim like massively punched above their weight they're like a village in Cheshire in a national league but they just decided we're going to get we've got a 4G pitch we're just going to try and score four tries in every game right and sometimes you might win and have five points and other times just you'll at least have a try bonus maybe even two losing bonuses and that's how Lim have basically played the season and they've got a really good chance of staying up because of it so even though they got battered at home again against Fylde and let in loads, 28 points, that was four tries. So, well done, lads. And obviously, we've spoken a little bit about the Six Nations. It's kind of wormed our way into to, to conversation. But one final thing to end things on a very positive note. Congratulations to all the sail boys who've been named in their respective countries' international squads, even if the Aaron Weedrick one is making us a little bit nervous. But, yeah, just massive congrats to him. Uh, and obviously, Tom Roebuck, George Ford, Ben Curry, Luke Cowan, Dickey. Um, very much looking forward to the Six Nations. Get a full break. Just a big focus on that. Um, and hopefully, like I said, by the time that Selwood turns on, on the on-field action, we'll be talking about a few more wins rather than 32 points, 20 losses away at Gloucester. So thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, thank you to Alex and James for joining me. Uh, and we'll speak to you guys in a couple of weeks.